I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's show, we'll hear from David Benezra about a new large study of pediatric uveitis. I, I agree. This, this is really maybe one of the most important aspects of the paper, that uh, uh, nearly 30% of the, of the children had no symptoms at all. First this. You can participate in As Seen From Here by calling our listener response lines. You can ask questions of our guests or discuss the topics yourself. Listeners in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. Listeners in the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275. Messages left on the system may be included in future episodes of As Seen From Here. The listener response lines are in beta testing. You're supposed to hear a nice greeting welcoming you to the show. But for now, all that you'll hear is this. The person you're trying to reach is not available. Please leave a message after the beep. Go ahead and leave your message anyway. We'll still get it. All messages left on this system become the property of As Seen From Here. The full text of the release is available on asseenfromhere.com forward slash legal. Again, those numbers in the United States are area code 646-808-0231 and in the United Kingdom, 020-7558-8275. Be a part of the podcast. I'll repeat the numbers again at the end of the show. Pediatric uveitis is rare and largely attributable to juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Or is it? A new study published in the British Journal of Ophthalmology challenges some of our assumptions about uveitis in the pediatric population. David Ben-Ezra and his colleagues examined 276 children with uveitis. I asked him to describe the study. We collected all the patients that we saw for uh, the, la- the last 10 years. We saw all patients uh, that had uh, any intraocular inflammation or to what, what is called uveitis. We collected the, the data and categorized them by age and sex, first of all. And out of the 821 patients that we saw, we uh, realized that uh, a third of them, 276, were um, 18 years of age or younger. One-third of patients being in the 18 years and younger group seems like a, like a very high portion. Did, did this strike you as, as being high? I mean, my, my impression was that uveitis uh, in this population was less frequent than your paper would have suggested. Well, it is uh, higher than uh, what has been published so far, but uh, I trust that this is a, a more realistic figure. You know, people uh, dealing with uh, intraocular inflammation or uveitis generally do not see children. They are not geared to that. And uh, because we have a combination of the uh, uh, pediatric ophthalmology and, uh, and the immunophthalmology, then we saw also the children. Therefore, maybe this figure is uh, higher than uh, has been published previously. But uh, really, when you look at the literature, uh, there is uh, some confusion because uh, even the same groups that uh, studied this uh, 
prevalence of uh, intraocular inflammation in uh, in children, they reported uh, different uh, incidences or prevalences uh, during different periods of time. Uh, there are many factors influencing the fact that children have been reported as uh, being less affected than uh, than adults, which I don't think it is correct. I, tr- I try to see for every decade what is the incidence of uveitis or the prevalence of uveitis uh, during the first decade of life, second decade of life, and so on. It looks like uh, it changes uh, very little. There is some higher prevalence among the 40 to 50 years old adults, but in general, in every decade, there is more or less the same uh, percentage. For the purposes of this study, you had very specific definitions of anterior, posterior, intermediate, and pan-uveitis. Can I have you just describe what those definitions were? First of all, we, we try to make a, a strict uh, definition because uh, many times there, there is some confusion about the definition of uh, intraocular inflammation or uveitis. As you, say, as you see, I, I point out that it is an intraocular inflammation and not only uveitis because uh, I, I believe that uveitis is a, is a misnomer. Uh, it's an intraocular inflammation, and uh, generally in this uveitis, uh, there are other structures of the eye that are involved apart from the uh, from the uvea. So, uh, in our definition, uh, we defined as uh, anterior uveitis only the patients that had signs of inflammation within the anterior chamber, and with only less than 10 cells in the anterior vitreous. Therefore, we got the percentage of the anterior uveitis uh, in our population was smaller than uh, what has been previously uh, published. On the other hand, we had uh, intermediate, and uh, if there were more than 10 uh, cells in the uh, individuals that we could see at the slit lamp, then uh, we, uh, we call these cases as the intermediate uveitis. And this was the larger uh, group of patients. We had uh, nearly 42% of the patients presenting an intermediate uveitis. Uh, regarding the posterior uveitis, there was no problem because when it was only the posterior segment was involved and uh, without involvement of the intermediate or the anterior segment, then this was a clear cut. And they, uh, we had a large group of panuveitis, which is categorized as uh, when uh, inflammation is seen both in the posterior, intermediate, and uh, also in the anterior uh, segments. So in total, we had the panuvitis group is, is uh, more or less uh, the same percentage as has been published previously. Do you think that the very low percentage of anterior uveitis cases, 13.4% um, in this study group here, reflects the definition that you've given to anterior uveitis, or is this something special about this particular study population? I think this is only the definition. um, I have had uh, even referrals from experts, uh, other ophthalmologists, calling uh, the case an anterior uveitis, but when you look carefully, you see that there are cells in the vitreous. And once there are cells in the in the in the, in the vitreous, even if it is the anterior vitreous, 
I believe this should be called an intermediate uveitis. It's the, inter the intermediate segment that is involved. And therefore, because of the strictness of our definition, we had less anterior, strict anterior uveitis, and uh, many of the cases were uh, called intermediate uveitis. In the study population, what portion of the cases were bilateral? Uh, the bilateral cases in, in this group of uh, children and adolescents, there were two-thirds that had bilateral ocular involvement. Some of these uh, presented initially as unilateral, but developed the bilateral uh, inflammation uh, during the follow-up. How long was the follow-up for this study, David? Well, the follow-up, some of them, because it is a 10-year study, some of them were nearly uh, 10 years of follow-up, because the ones that uh, were seen uh, at the end... Uh, uh, were only one year, but the minimum was one year. We did the study after 10 years, but the minimum was one year of follow-up. One of the things that struck me from this paper was that only 15% of the patients had juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Yeah, and that struck me as being, um, being, being a low number compared with other papers. Yeah, that, that's correct. And uh, this is also a fact that uh, I, think, I think this is a more realistic figure because uh, if, uh, when you look at the literature, it seems that the, uh, more than a decade ago, uh, all the uveitis in children, or nearly all of the anterior uveitis in children, were uh, idiopathic uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis or juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And uh, more recently, there were some figures published around uh, 40% only. It depends on how many, uh, for example, if you take uh, the population of children that have an associated systemic disease, but then the, the incidence of uh, GIA is about 55%. But when you take the whole group of children with uveitis, and we had... Uh, quite a sizable number of these patients, then, in fact, the GIA is no more than, uh, I don't remember exactly the figure, but I think it's about what you quoted, uh, 15%? Or yeah, it was, it was about 15%. Yeah, it's 14.9% when you take the, the entire group. Now, you see, the, if we take uh, the prevalence among the uh, children with uh, associated systemic disease, GIA are 55.4%. But if we take the whole group with non-infectious etiologies, then it is only 22%. And when you take including the infectious etiologies, then, uh, then uh, the, the percentage is around 15%. And I believe that this is a, true, a more realistic figure because we... We, uh, again, uh, we see all uh, the children with all different types of uh, diseases, including uveitis, of course. Uh, definitely uh, a figure of 15% approximately among all the children is more realistic than uh, 90 or even 50 or 20%. From the study population, what portion were felt to have an idiopathic etiology? Uh, you mean idiopathic that we could not categorize them at all? That's correct. Yeah. Well, this uh, was about 25.4% were classified as uh, idiopathic. But again, 
if you take only the children with a non-infectious etiology and manifestations confined only to the eyes, then uh, the idiopathy in these cases is, uh, is, is higher. But when you take the whole group of, uh, of children, then the idiopathic uh, classification was only in about 25.4%. Uh, what I'm wondering is whether the unusually low portion of anterior uh, and unilateral and idiopathic uveitis is a representation of this, this particular population and is perhaps swayed by, by the fact that these are children who are being seen uh, by, a, by a uveitis specialist uh, and that many of the idiopathic unilateral anterior uveitis um, is, is, is being treated in the community by, um, by, by general ophthalmologists or whether, you know, this, this population yeah. um, represents a, a, a truer picture than, than, we, than we previous had of what the makeup is of uveitis uh, in this age group. Yeah, this, this may be a cause of that, but uh, also it is very difficult when it is, uh, uh, for example, an intermediate uveitis. It is very difficult to examine a patient when it is not a pediatric ophthalmologist examining him. And uh, sometimes many of these cases have, been, uh, mis- uh, have not been diagnosed. I guess that in our case, because uh, uh, we are, uh, as I said, a specialized unit, then uh, referrals were quite good. And I don't think that uh, uh, the general uh, ophthalmologist practitioner, if he would diagnose the uveitis, that he will not refer it to us. Unfortunately, I think that they were were not... In some of these cases, they are not diagnosed, and therefore they are not referred. And some are maybe self-limited in, uh, in some of the cases, and they are not getting into the uh, statistics. Just briefly, uh, if you categorize the uveitides into the infectious etiologies like the viral and parasitic and some bacterial uh, and, yeah. the, um, and the non-infectious etiologies, how did this study population break down? The non-infectious, uh, there were about two, two-thirds were uh, non, uh, non-infectious, and this includes uh, the patient that had only the eye involved and the others that had uh, also systemic manifestation, uh, systemic disease. Those who had only eye, uh, the eye involved without systemic manifestation comprised about 40%. And those who had uh, systemic manifestation associated with the uh, eye inflammation, they were about 27%. In total, 66.6% approximately. The first group was 398 and the second 368 So it's about... 66.7 or 66.6. From my standpoint, one of the important tables in, in, your, in your paper is the one that describes the symptoms that these children had on, on presentation. Uh, and I'm wondering if, if you can describe what the typical symptoms are, presenting symptoms uh, of, of the uh, children in this population with uveitis. 
I, I agree. This this is really maybe one of the most important aspects of the paper that uh, uh, nearly 30% of the of the children had no symptoms at all. They can uh, they were referred because of uh, failing of uh, routine eye exam or uh, or a, uh, they were to to the uh, optometrist and they uh, for glasses and uh, they could not fit the uh, glasses that they were referred. But the children did not complain about anything. Um, symptoms of tearing, you know, which is one of the symptoms of ocular inflammation or uveitis, and, and photophobia comprised only uh, about a quarter of the patient, 24%. And interestingly, there was a red eye only in 15.9% of the patient. So red eye which is generally a manifestation of the involvement of the anterior segment, was again relatively low. So it, it, it fits also into the fact that uh, we had only a small proportion of children that had uh, uh, anterior uveitis, so class, classical anterior uveitis with, uh, with uh, red eye and filler injection and so on. 12% of these children... Um, were referred because of drop of vision. In about 10%, uh, they behaved in a, in a funny, in a funny way. And uh, the, some of the, all the parents, all the teachers thought that it might be worthwhile to check the vision. And these were 10% of the cases. What is important in uh, in the presentation were the uh, two. Uh, relatively small group, but still very important, were the children that had an unexplained uh, start of uh, strabismus, of squint, and these were about 5.4% of the children, and in fact the squint was due to the uh, poorer vision of uh, one eye. And uh, there was uh, the uh, leucocoria presenting symptom, uh, white pupil, uh, in four percent of the cases, so of course, uh, were masquerades. My next two questions both deal with parasitic causes of uveitis. The first one is if I can just get you to describe the particular parasites involved in Dusen in this patient population, and the second one is the what what seems to me to be a, a relatively low incidence of toxoplasma particularly given my experience with Israel, which is that it's full of cats. Yeah, you, may, you may be right that you see the cats in the streets, but not there are few cats only at homes, which is different. I, I, I think that you see uh, relatively a lot of cats outside, but uh, I mean in the streets, uh, although nowadays it's much less than you used to see maybe. It's a long time you didn't come uh, to Israel, I guess. <laughs> but uh, you have fewer uh, cats in the homes. The dozen, I, a dozen is uh, definitely uh, a parasite like uh, Toxocara or uh, the other uh, worms. In uh, a few of the of these cases, uh, we detected Oxyuris, which is not known as a parasite causing the dozen. But dozen is a manifestation that we see in the fundus. That is a secondary phenomenon to maybe uh, the uh, the proteins that are shed by these uh, larva migrants. It was initially described as a dozen, which means a diffuse unilateral subacute neuroretinitis. 
But in fact, uh, we have seen, and uh, since, the, since the publication of the paper, I've seen uh, uh, additional cases where you see the dozen manifestation in both eyes. So it is not, it is a, 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 a bosom, if you want, a bilateral, <laughs> a bilateral, a diffuse uh, bilateral subacute neuroretinitis, and not only unilateral, probably associated with, uh, with infestation by uh, visceral lava migrants. David, has this study changed the way that you practice? Well, uh, in, in, in a way, uh, yes and no, you know, because uh, yes, in the sense that we are more prone to think that, uh, first of all, that uh, not always an anterior uveitis in a, or an intermediate, an anterior intermediate uveitis in a child, even in a, in a young girl, that uh, this is not uh, 100%. Uh, uh, the, the, there is a chance that it is uh, not uh, juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Before, every time that, a pa- that uh, we saw a patient with, uh, uh, especially a young girl with this manifestation, we made a diagnosis of GIA. Uh, and, uh, of course, we tried to, uh, to see whether it was uh, uh, confirmed, but in many of the cases, this is not confirmed, and still we said, well, it may be a mild case of uh, GIA that will develop later on. So this is one thing. So really that uh, arteriovitis in a, in a child and even in a young girl is not a priori associated with GIA. It can be associated with other systemic diseases, and it can be an infectious uh, phenomenon. That's one. And the second is that we really uh, think about the, uh, the parasites as a, a cause, a more common cause for uh, uh, intraocular inflammation or uveitis in, uh, in children. And this has to be taken in consideration. Has the study changed the laboratory workup that you do now for juveniles with uveitis? Well, it, uh, as, uh, I think that our approach was quite logical, and uh, we, we uh, don't do a battery of tests, uh, of tests for every uh, child that comes with uh, intraocular inflammation, but we do uh, a, what we call a tailored type of uh, battery of tests. And only if uh, there is an indication or a suspicion for something, then we do it. Uh, the only thing that uh, we, we do more frequently now, we, we, we test for the stools more often in these children than we used to do in the past, which is not a difficult uh, test to do. We, uh, we, uh, we ask for uh, urine uh, culture if there is a suspicion of, uh, of uh, an involvement of uh, of the urinary tract in this phenomenon. The only thing is that the non-infectious causes uh, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the inflammation are also quite in- interesting uh, to look at. And they, uh, although there is uh, uh, nothing uh, really uh, outstanding, but again, among the non-infectious uh, causes affecting the eyes only, then uh, the idiopathic etiology is uh, is uh, um, is 
quite high. It's around the uh, when it is only the eyes, uh, then as I said before, it's uh, more than 60%. But when you take all the non-infectious etiologies, it's around only 38%. And then uh, maybe sympathetic ophthalmia was relatively high in the, in this group, which uh, which is unfortunately due to the many traumas that we see. Of course, we, we don't see any, we didn't see and we don't see uh, lucky enough, we don't see any HIV-associated uveitis. And uh, the only CMVs that we have seen uh, were associated with, uh, with uh, children that underwent uh, bone marrow transplantation. Well, maybe the, um, the other interesting aspect that has never been published before, only once, and uh, this is from our group, is the fact that we had, uh, in this group, two patients with Gaucher disease um, presenting uh, with uveitis, and uh, the Gaucher was discovered later on. So this, this is inter- this, these are some interesting points. David, thank you very okay, much. Yes. Thank you very much. Litrot. Bye-bye. David Ben-Ezra is professor and director of the Pediatric Ophthalmology Unit and the Immuno-Ophthalmology Service at Hadassah Hebrew University in Jerusalem, Israel. His paper, Uveitis in Children and Adolescents appears in the April 2005 British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of David Ben-Ezra or of any of our previous guests, or just make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. Call our listener response lines. In the United States, dial 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype J Young MD. Be part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.